0: If you have your Bible, we're in Luke 12, beginning in verse 16. going to talk today about the rich fool. Luke 12, 16 and following. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build greater barns, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be? Which you have provided. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. To those who have an abundant supply of possessions, Jesus spoke this parable of the rich fool. Two things stand out about this man. Number one, he never saw beyond himself. He was always thinking about number one. There's no other parable which is so full of the words, I, me, my, and mine. No other parable anything like this. The rich fool was so self-centered, all he could think about was himself. This farmer had piles of money, but the one thing that never entered his mind was to give any of it away. The man's whole attitude was the reverse of Christianity. Instead of finding his happiness in giving, he tried to conserve it all by keeping. The Romans had a proverb which said that money was like seawater. The more a man drank, the more thirst he had. Secondly, this uh, man never saw beyond his world. All of his plans were made on basis of life in this world. The man who never remembers that there is another world is destined someday for a horrible, horrible reality check. This scripture sounds much like today. The farmer in these verses is no wax figure from the past. He is real. He is contemporary. As we read the verses, we are interested in him because there are so many people today that are just like him. We are also interested in this man because he is so successful. It's just unbelievable. He has everything. He's bought everything he ever wanted. Donald Trump and Warren Buffett for the last 30 years have been uh, fascinating to everybody because they just say what they think. And they don't care what the newspapers say. It's been very, very uh, interesting. But there is a turn of events in this story. The man that we're speaking about, the Lord calls this shrewd businessman a fool. He says, you're a fool. Now, fool is a harsh word. It's a jarring word. It's an insulting word. It's an offensive word. Yet the Lord doesn't use this word lightly. He calls the man the fool. Why do you suppose the Lord called him a fool? This well-to-do farmer thought he was about the sharpest thing in town. There wasn't anybody sharper than he was. He said, I'm kind of the leader of this whole area. I'm the smartest. I'm brilliant. I made all this money. You know, what possibly could be wrong? He regarded himself as number one, I, me, my, mine. That's the way his mind worked. The man's neighbor looked upon this farmer with great admiration. They thought, well, boy, he is something. No question about it. In fact, there might have been a bit of envy mixed in with their admiration. The neighbors certainly did not regard this rich man as a fool. We don't regard anybody as a fool today that has made it in the eyes of the world. We might say, well, they're rich, you know, they must have something on the ball. Uh, Or they're rich, so they probably have great leadership skills. Or they say something. One day many years ago, a young man called me on the phone. He said, I'd like to have an appointment with you. This is 40 years ago. And uh, I said, uh, well, sure. I said, can you come Tuesday morning? He said, yes. I said, well, come, come then at 10 o'clock. He said, okay. When I met the man, he was a very, very impressive looking person. He held on a very expensive suit. It was tailored, you could tell. He was uh, dressed as well as a man could be dressed. He was tall, he was dark, he was, you could tell, very muscular fellow. He was very, very handsome. He didn't look like he had one problem in the world. I mean, the first thought would come to your mind if you saw him dressed like that and he walked up to you, you would think, boy, this guy has got it together. Well, as soon as he began to talk, I realized that his heart was breaking. For over four years, this young man had been a dancer at an all-women's club. He was paid very, very well. It seemed that he was the favorite of all the customers that came to that building. He told me that there was never a night that went by that he wasn't invited to go home with one of the ladies uh, for the evening for $500. He said uh, that happened every night. He said when he first started working at the club, he took uh, many of these people up on their offers, just one right after another. And you know when you're making a very, very good salary and you're making $500 a night on top of that, uh, 40 years ago, that didn't take you long to be rich. And uh, he was. Well, but as time had gone by, this fellow had begun to hate women. I mean, he just hated them. The longer we talked, the more I felt the pain of this man. He finally broke down and started crying. He said, What is the meaning in life? He was crying. He said, You know, I believe I need God in my life. He told me... uh, how he had attempted suicide. Now, this young man was rich, but he was a fool. He was an absolute fool. I witnessed to him as best I could. I talked with him about an hour about giving his heart to Jesus. We prayed together. I invited him to come back Sunday. We would be having a great service at the church. I never saw him again. He never came back. I don't know what happened to him, but I know that there were so many that were envious of him. If they had only known the pain and the anguish in his heart. Things aren't always as they appear on the outside. Jesus did not call this farmer a fool just because he'd been a success. Jesus wants every one of us in here today to be a great success. He wants you to be a success. Jesus certainly didn't have a prejudice against farmers because back then almost everybody was a farmer. Well, the reason the Lord called him a fool because there was no other name that exactly fit him. We don't have all the facts. We don't know about all of the motivation. Jesus, however, Knows all the circumstances, all the motivations, all the secrets in every life. He knows all of those things in your life. He knows all about it. Jesus knew that this man had the wrong priorities in his life. Riches are neither moral or immoral. Being poor is neither moral nor immoral. If we use what we have just for selfish purposes... We have made a foolish decision. This man had made his money honestly. He hadn't abused or cheated anyone. He worked hard as a farmer. He was honest, upright in his profession. This man had worked uh, very, very hard, as all farmers do if they're going to be a success. And he saved his money. It's foolish to just waste your money. You know, the prodigal got all the money that was coming to him and he spent it very quickly on foolish things. And then he had to very humbly go back home because he didn't have anything to eat. Well, this farmer, he didn't have a bit of wastefulness in him anywhere. He had all the money he'd ever made. This farmer is a lot like many people across America today. There's no outrageous or disgraceful wickedness in many of those people. He probably was a moral man that had a nice family. Well, why did Christ call him a fool? He was a fool because he had no sense of God in his life. None. Zero. He had lived as if all of his life there was no God. He might have gone to church every week, but practically underneath his mask, this man was a complete atheist. We know that this man was an atheist. How do we know that? We know it because we are told what he thought. Now, you can't tell about a person by how they dress or by the accent that they have. Uh, You can't tell about a person from what they say because they might be lying all the time. You never know. But if you know what someone is thinking, you pretty well know the person. You know him. What was this farmer thinking? He thought to himself, what shall I, I do? For I, I have no room where to put all these crops. I have no room to put all the goods that we have pulled in from the fields. Now, we can see the man for what he is. It's obvious. We know how he thinks. There's no reference to God in his life whatsoever. None. That was the source of his foolishness. Any person that lives without a reference to God in their life is a fool. As we read what he was thinking, we noticed how many times, once again, he used the personal pronouns, I, me, my, mine. He was really hot on that. The grammar of atheism is just to talk about those those words, I, me, my, mine. That's the vocabulary of a fool. The person of faith recognizes the fact that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Faith says that you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. April sang about that price. Jesus gave his body, gave his blood. We were bought with a price. This farmer thought he owned everything. He said, you know, if I don't own it, I don't want it. That was his attitude. He was robbed of gratitude. He didn't think the Lord had given him abundant crops or plenty of water. A lot of people in our world today pride themselves on being self-made people. They are not grateful for anything. They think that they did it all by themselves. The person that has no gratitude, is a fool. The right sort of thinking always leads us to be thankful. The only kind of thinking that does not have any thankfulness is the thinking of a practical atheist. The practical atheist is a fool. This man also showed himself to be a fool by the confidence he placed in things. He doesn't believe in God. But he does believe in all he has. He builds barns and thinks, well, good night, I've made plenty of provision for myself. So many of us are making provisions for just a very short period of time. I've talked to innumerable people over the years that say this. I'm working real, real hard so that one day I can buy that that, uh, dream home that I have in my mind and then I'm going to live there. But they don't think to themselves it might be 5 years or 10 years or it, it might be probably won't be 20 years. And then you die. We are a fool if we make no provision for eternity. How does 5 years or 10 years or 20 years how does that stack up against eternity? Have you ever thought about that? How does it stack up against eternity? Not very good. The farmer says, I must eat and drink and be merry. He's saying, you know, I haven't quite arrived yet, but I'm just about to. I'm just about to arrive. That's the way a greedy person thinks. Just a little bit more, and then I will be happy. This man expects great satisfaction in the future. A lot of people have been chasing that rainbow from the beginning of time. So many people are are chasing around, looking for something that they don't have. Did you see uh, the storms on the TV this year? It's been a, a wild year all over the world, particularly in the United States. People have been losing Their homes, their buildings, their trees, their cars, everything, just smashed. They interviewed a lot of people. And you know what the people said that they chose to interview on TV? We lost everything. Everything. In the first church that I pastored, there was an old farmer named Quince Davidson. He was a dear friend. He was a wise man. He had been a strong Christian for over 70 years. At one time, he was telling me the story of his life. He said, at one time, you see that hill out there? I owned a huge mansion on that hill. Everybody in Coriel County wanted a house like that one, in a place like that one. But the home wasn't envy of everybody. Well, one night, guess what happened? There was a fire and the house burned down, whole thing. Just burned to the ground. Quint said he lost all of his trophies, all of his guns, all of his antiques, all of his clothes, all of his jewelry. He lost everything, burned up. He said, you know, it didn't take 20 minutes for all of that to burn completely up. He said the fire made him rethink his life. He didn't uh, lose the Lord in the fire, he said. And he didn't lose his wife in the fire. He called her Mrs. Quince. He was a neat guy. The whole time he was telling me his, his story, he was patting her on the knee. And you could tell they were so in love. He said, those two relationships, my relationship to the Lord and my relationship to my wife, became much more important after the fire. I hope you don't have to have a fire in your life in order for you to realize that relationships are the key. That's the key in life. A relationship with Jesus, a relationship to his church, a relationship to Christian people that you know in the community. Relationships are so very, very important. I want to ask you today, if you know the Lord Jesus, if you've invited him into your heart, have you ever made a public profession of your faith? You ought to do that. You know, when Jesus taught and when he preached, People came out of the crowd, took a stand for Jesus, said, I'm with him. You know, today, if you'd like to trust in Christ, if you'd like to join the church, we obviously want you to do that. I'll be standing down here at the front waiting on you to come. Let's stand together and we'll sing.